It is the 200 level, episode 284, Mike Carpenter in the basement on a Tuesday morning. And fortunately, my allergy attack, or whatever you want to call it, from Thursday night is basically subsided. Allergies are still there, but it should not interrupt the programming for the evening. That was kind of embarrassing. But what was not embarrassing was Illinois' performance against Chattanooga. And while we can say, yes, it was an FCS team and Illinois has not really played the toughest of schedules so far, there is a competency that we've seen that I think leads to some optimism going into this Wisconsin game in a way that I would not have predicted going into this season. This includes the Indiana game, which for now, if I'm trying to go glass half full, looks to be the aberration. And what I mean by that is you still dominated many areas of that game, and you just made too many darn mistakes. I say aberration because that was the one that you actually had those mistakes cost you. What encouraged me on top of the domination of Chattanooga was ultimately a clean game. And yes, you will likely make a mistake or two against Wisconsin, and I hope whatever those mistakes are does not cost you a game that you could otherwise win. That is certainly a possibility, and that is why I'm kind of waffling back and forth between what I predict will happen on Saturday. But I have not felt this optimistic about a Wisconsin game in a long time. And that would include back in 2019 when we somehow beat them on homecoming at home with Lovey Smith. I was at a friend's wedding that day, so I wasn't even in the stadium for that. And hello, Stephen Colbert and everyone else joining us on the YouTube live feed this evening. Yeah, I'm feeling good. And this is a week that is quite consequential, I think, for Illinois football. Or let me rephrase. I think these next three weeks are hugely consequential for Brett Bielema and this program. I don't think that regardless of what happens, you're, uh, let's say worst case scenario, 0-3. That would be bad. I don't think that means the end of the Brett Bielema experiment by any means. But I do think that if you were to go 2-1, and let alone 3-0, and all of a sudden you're looking at expediting this process, right? You're looking at expediting this whole thing of getting Illinois football back to some state of relevancy. I would argue this Illinois team right now is playing as good as anyone in the Big Ten West. Again, consider the opposition, right? But you also need to consider the Big Ten West is not exactly flush with great teams, and that would include a Wisconsin team that's more vulnerable than than before, an Iowa team that cannot score, and it took... I think a pick six against Rutgers and just an ugly game. I know they won, but was it that impressive? Really? It's still Rutgers. And you just go down the list. And not just that, but then look at the Big Ten East opponents that Illinois faces. Michigan is still very good. And yeah, we couldn't even beat Indiana, but a game that you could otherwise win. I mean, they might stink. This might be another repeat of 2016 where they had a really good 2015. And then the next year they went three and nine or whatever it was. All of that is to say, I'm feeling pretty darn good going into this Wisconsin game, and there's maybe no reason for me to do that. But what the heck? Kickoff is at 11 a.m. on Saturday. We don't need to wait for it. We can get right to it, and I'm excited for that. We will have a post-game, or I should say fourth quarter and post-game podcast on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go into it as probably touchdown underdogs. I think that's basically where it is standing right now. I think that that spread could get all the way down to maybe six come Saturday. And that tells you something. This was a spread that started around 10.5, I think, or maybe 9.5, depending on your betting places. But it's getting all the way down to a touchdown spread. 
It tells you there's not a lot of faith in betters in Wisconsin, which I understand. Or also, there, there is a little more faith that Illinois in this defense might be legit in some way. I think Illinois' defense is legit. But I think the other story we really need to watch going into Saturday and beyond is that you might finally have a balanced offense that can match a pretty damn good defense. If you put those two things together and you just minimize mistakes, all of a sudden you're looking at a season where seven wins probably should be the basement or the floor. And I know that sounds ludicrous. We're talking Illinois football. I said seven and five at the beginning of the year, and that was before I knew that your schedule was this bad. I mean, I knew it was doable, but then you start to see these teams play and you think, holy smokes, we can actually win a lot of games here. So it's all right in front of them. I know that they are not looking past this week because they've circled this game. Brett Bielema had some quotes this week, which leads me to believe that try as he might, yes, they are really looking at this game as one of the big ones. There's danger in that where if you were to lose it in heartbreaking fashion, I worry about a potential hangover effect against Iowa the following week, a night game. But imagine, if you will, October 8th, Memorial Stadium, 6.30 p.m. kickoff, and a 4-1 Illinois team welcoming in Iowa. Imagine that. I've seen great atmospheres before, and by no means would this be the greatest atmosphere Memorial Stadium, but it'd be the best in a while. And I think you would start to turn some heads and build this sense of legitimacy with the casual fan that may otherwise want to stay in the tailgate lots, understandably. You gain a lot of legitimacy if you go into Wisconsin and win. And I think you can. Do I think they will? I don't know. I'll decide by the end of this podcast just just to get the prediction out there. But I know that they can. And I also know how I would feel Saturday afternoon. Let's say 2.30 or knowing the way college football goes, 3.15 after a four-hour and 15-minute game. Whatever it is, if Illinois were to win that game, the feeling I would have on what looks to be an absolutely picturesque Saturday, it'd be hard to think of the last time I felt that good about an Illinois football win. You would have to go back to the Zook era, I think. Because with Lovey, there was always the concern that it was kind of a fluke. And I, I got to the point where when they were, uh, what was it, 6-4, and four, I think, or 6-3, and three, after that Michigan State comeback or after the Rutgers win, I remember thinking to myself, hey, if this works, then that's great. I wasn't fully sold, but I said, I'll get on board if ultimately this formula ends up winning college football games. Consistently, it did not. But with B. Lama, I was kind of on board from day one, so there would be this feeling, not of maybe validation so much, not a I told you so, but a feeling that, yes, this in fact might be the mix of coaches that finally works at Illinois. So far, the promising returns in these first four games would indicate that this game on Saturday will not be a blowout. I know Jay Lehman said on the podcast with Jeremy Warner earlier this week, this will probably go into the fourth quarter. I would agree with that. Even if Illinois plays a great game, Wisconsin is not one that typically gets blown out. So best case scenario to me would be winning by 10 points, not 20, which means that you will still be holding on tightly and nervous in the fourth quarter. And maybe we will share that together as we're watching it on Saturday. I hope so. I hope that we can share in one of these post-game podcasts a feeling of jubilation and true excitement that finally this football program is on the right footing and not just for the short term, but maybe the long term as well. So it's a consequential week. It's a consequential three weeks. We got a lot to talk about here. I will let you know in advance. Gosh darn it, I'm still going to have to sniff 
Every so often, I will try to look away from the microphone when I do that. It is allergy season. As much as I love this time of year, it's getting a little ridiculous what's coming out of my face right now. But before I get too far ahead of myself, and before you start thinking too much about mucus, let me tell you what kind of food tastes great. DP Dough, what a transition. Go online to dpdough.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. dpdough.com is a campus tradition 16 years now. They've been open for 16 years. Back when I was a junior in college is when they opened up. And Steve and the guys over there have been remarkably consistent from day one. You can order online at dpdo.com. They'll deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdo.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. They're coming over tomorrow to our place for a furnace check. As you've noticed, Overnights and mornings are getting a little bit chillier, so you will want to make sure that that furnace is in tip-top shape, and we trust these guys with not just our furnace check, but we were able to get a bundle where they will come back in the spring and do an air conditioning check as well. So the guys at Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing based out of Paxton, but they serve everywhere in East Central Illinois. Go online uh, and find them at Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And schedule your free, not free, I'm sorry, but your furnace check today and get 6% off. By just mentioning the 200 level. It's not free. Sorry, Dogtown. I didn't mean that. But I will say, having booked it, it's a great deal. So Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For all your insurance needs, life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. He could be your guy as well. I talked with him at the tailgate on Thursday night and... We may try to get him down here to help me do some of these post-game podcasts with Isaac and Trevor, both kind of doing their own thing that keeps them away from the mics, which is a bummer. But Brian's a great guy, and he's also got that gift of gab, and he knows his sports. But he also knows his insurance, and that's why we trust him for our homeowners and auto, and you can trust him too. It is the CARP badge of approval, whatever that's worth to you. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior projects. These guys are the goods. Great craftsmanship, excellent customer service, and they've been giving back to the community for a long time here in Champaign-Urbana. The guys at RectorConstruction.com, they basically work year-round. So even though we're getting into the cooler months, you can still get a free quote for your next home exterior project at RectorConstruction.com. All right, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Hey, I'm rocking the Champagne Showers t-shirt. So I want to thank Boswell and the folks over at Champagne Showers for this very cool t-shirt that I'm wearing on this episode of YouTube Live as I am occasionally clearing my nose. It's just, it's really ridiculous. Now, before I start getting too pissed off at these allergies, let's think positive here. Let's talk about the next three weeks with Illinois football. The Wisconsin game being right in front of us, confidence level, I'll put it at about a six and a half, which is pretty darn high for a game at Camp Randall. I was at Camp Randall back in 2018. Not that we expected anything going in. Me and Kara went and we met up with my buddy and his now wife, who was a UW-Madison grad. Had a great time up there, and we sat in the student section, which was fun, but I got to say that I also started to feel this sort of intense rage, which you shouldn't feel when you're surrounded by a bunch of happy people, which is what Wisconsin fans are. Why wouldn't they be happy? They continue to win. It's It's a pretty good deal up there. But I think we can also recognize that for a lot of Wisconsin fans, the Paul Christ experience is starting to stagnate a bit. Yes, they are still the model of 
success in the Big Ten West. I would say even more so than Iowa, though the two of them have been a little bit more on equal footing in the last couple of years. Minnesota is an int- interesting wild card because P.J. Fleck is consistently winning there. I thought it'd be more in the like seven wins a year kind of range, Glenn Mason type with a little more flair, but they look pretty good so far. I think Illinois and Minnesota share a lot of things right now. I would even argue that so far the quarterbacking for Illinois has been better than what you've seen at Wisconsin. Graham Mertz, of course, lit Illinois up back in the COVID year. The first start that he had was against Illinois on a Friday night. And of course, Levy Smith and his team were woefully unprepared and they got smoked. Graham Mertz looked like a Heisman candidate at that point. He has not looked like that since. Tommy DeVito took a lot of strides against Chattanooga. And I got to be honest, none of them were surprising if you were watching the first few games. There were the occasional mistakes. There was the interception early against Virginia. Uh, in the Indiana game, uh, maybe a couple misses, but overall, it was a still pretty solid affair from Tommy DeVito. I felt pretty high on him from the start. You know, whatever the eye test is, and it's different for everybody, but there was a comfort I have in watching him quarterback that I haven't had in Illini quarterback since, I don't know, uh, Riley O'Toole at the end of 2014. Very different quarterback, so it's maybe not an apt comparison. But there is this stability that he brings. And what we finally saw against Chattanooga was the playbook opening up, your wide receivers starting to really emerge, especially Pat Bryant. And now I'm thinking, well, wait a second. Maybe this is a balanced team. Maybe we're starting to see an offense that not only complements the defense, but elevates this whole thing. So with Wisconsin, you go in there, and I think I think 24 points wins the game. I mean, I think the over-under, I have not checked it, and maybe someone in the chat window could help me out, but i got to think that the over-under is 40 or less. 41? I mean, with these defenses, how many points do we really expect to be scored in this game? So can we somehow find our way to 24 points? I think we can. I know Wisconsin's defense is still pretty darn good. But I keep waiting, and I've said this now for a decade, so maybe fool me once, shame on you, and fool me eight seasons in a row, shame on me. But just like I've said with Wisconsin basketball, and I know they won a Big Ten title last year, but we know they're frauds, so don't get me started. Doesn't Wisconsin football eventually have to fall back down to earth? Doesn't the mystique and the sheen of Wisconsin football eventually go away? I think it does. So, to me, what better opportunity... To really signal that, then going in there and getting a win with Brett Bielema, his first game back at Camp Randall, all the emotional pep in the step that this Illinois team will have on Saturday, it really does feel like a recipe for an upset. And it wouldn't even be that big of an upset. Not according to Vegas. This is not the 28.5 point spread that you had against Wisconsin back in 2019 when McCourt had the game-winning field goal. This is not that. No, this is a game that you are within a touchdown, according to Vegas. That tells me it would be a mild upset at most. And there wouldn't be a lot of Big Ten football fans that would be shocked by that. So why, why am I, and probably a lot of other Illini fans, going into this treading so carefully? We're going into it treading carefully because of our institutional knowledge of Illinois football. We're going into it treading carefully because we've been disappointed before. We've allowed ourselves to get high only to have the rug pulled out from under us. I did this before the Indiana game, and I realized that's Indiana, and frankly, every prediction I made about that game, it should have been true, damn it. You know, we should have beat Indiana handily, and the stats in that game mostly bore it out until Indiana got a lot of yardage on that last drive, but you were dominating most of that game. So darn it, I was right. And Chief Oski, you say the over-under now is at 43 and a half. Well, 
let's say it's a 24 to 20 Illinois win. I can envision that. I can certainly envision that. Is Wisconsin going to get in the end zone? If this were Memorial Stadium, I would wonder if Wisconsin gets in the end zone. That's how damn good this defense is playing right now. But the point is, the reluctance I have in predicting a win doesn't have much to do with this team. That's even recognizing that they have made mistakes in games so far this year and that the special teams leaves a lot to be desired. But if I'm really focusing just on what I've seen on the field this year, this season, I think Illinois looked better. And Jay Lehman talked as much about this, and I'll get to that later. He was on Jeremy's podcast earlier this week, and he kind of did a Big Ten West Power Rankings. And I didn't necessarily disagree with him. And I'm thinking, am I drinking the Kool-Aid or am I going off of what I've seen so far? I think it's the latter. Irish RX 93 says, in the current 24-7 rankings for recruiting classes, Illinois is only two spots behind Wisconsin for what it's worth. There you go. Uh, I think it speaks to two things, Irish. I think it speaks to the stagnation that I mentioned about the Paul Christ experience at Wisconsin. And I think it speaks to the fact that Brett Bielema is not going to be some ace recruiter, but I have enough confidence that he is a more evaluative recruiter that gets the guys he needs. Like, what was Gabe Ye- Gabe Ackes? He, was he a four-star? He looks like a freak of nature. Was he just a three-star kid that had the measurables and, and Brett Bielema knew that this guy would make an impact? I know that's one example that's kind of anecdotal, but it seems to me that if we're able to just go out and snatch a Gabe Ackes, maybe Bielema does know what he's doing out there, uh, regardless of recruiting rankings. I would trust him with a 35th to 40th class in the nation more than I would a Beckman 35th to 40th class in the nation based on history. So my reluctance in predicting a win has not much to do with this team. It has to do with my history as an Illini fan. But you can win, and I really want to predict a win, so we'll we'll get to that in a bit. But then you have two games at home, and what if, hear me out, what if this Illinois team is just really, really good at home? That is a possibility, you know. We've seen so far in these three games, how many total points have they given up at home? Nine? I think Wyoming had two field goals, right? We had one field goal for Virginia. We had no points for Chattanooga. And again, recognizing the competition, If you factor in that Iowa and Minnesota will be steps up, it's not like I would expect Iowa or Minnesota, and especially not Iowa, to come in here and score 35. So can your offense score 24 to 28 points at home against either of those teams? And if they were to do that, I think you're winning both. But before we put the cart before the horse, or whatever the expression may be, in these three games, here is what would be, or what would qualify as a success. Two and one would be a big success. Two and one in the next three puts you at five and two. And that would be any combination of wins at Wisconsin, Iowa, or Minnesota at home. All teams that are basically, you would like to think in this Big Ten West, are your equal. It would put you at five and two ahead of the bye week and then Nebraska, a winnable Michigan State game, A winnable Purdue game for a Purdue team that just can't really get out of their own way, including Saturday against Florida Atlantic at home. Let's see here. At Michigan, I'll be there. I don't expect much, but what the heck? Imagine going into Michigan already with seven wins under your belt, and that's not outside the realm of possibility. It's not. Northwestern to wrap things up. These next three games really do kind of set the trajectory for the season, and you could argue it actually 
sets the trajectory for the Bielma era. And I mentioned earlier the word expedite. I think it expedites the process of really just putting this program on solid footing. It helps you sell it to recruits, especially some of these JUCO and transfer portal guys that you will have to get to replenish those that leave after this year. It shows that you are legit. Stephen Colbert says, ESPN gives Wisconsin a 74% chance of winning. I feel like that's still high, but a quarter chance is still a puncher's chance on the road. I like those odds. I think that there is still something to be said that Wisconsin, of course, should be favored. And that, you know, if you flipped a coin, or not if you flipped a coin, but if this game were played 10 times, Wisconsin would win more than five of them, certainly, right? But would they win seven of them? I don't think they'd win eight of the 10. I don't know. I think that these two teams are closer than you'd think, and I would love this game. If it were at home, I would love it. And I I know I said maybe similar things last year when Wisconsin was floundering early, and then they smoked Illinois. That is the fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice kind of thing I talked about earlier. But it does appear like this Illinois team is different. And gosh darn it, why am I falling down this hole? And if anyone in the chat thread, if you're feeling the same way I am, like you have this weird... Optimism, it goes beyond optimism. Weird confidence that this team is actually built for this, that they can win and that they very well might. And, you know, it's hard for me, well, I should say it's been harder for me to imagine what a win like this would feel like. This actually feels tangibly, tantalizingly close. And anytime I ask myself, well, why is that? It's not some sort of smoke and mirrors, you know, magic potion thing. It's not me drinking the Kool-Aid, which I've done many times before. I really genuinely think my feelings and why they're different about this Wisconsin game are based on what we've seen so far. I don't know what impact necessarily Wisconsin losing at Ohio State like they did. I don't know if that has much of any impact on this game. You could argue that it's actually not good for Illinois because Wisconsin will be desperate for a win. I would buy that argument, certainly. The other side of it could be that maybe Wisconsin, in their own little bubble, thought, hey, we got a shot at Columbus, and uh, we're going to go in there, we're going to surprise them, and maybe in their bubble, they were absolutely shocked by just how badly they got blown out. I expected that. I think most football fans expecting that. But I'm not sure. I, I think they will play desperate. Can Illinois match that? And I think yes. I think Brett Bielema has been circling this game and the team has been circling it for him. So I I don't know if there's a mental edge in this game. I think then it just comes down to which team makes the most plays or which team makes the fewest mistakes. And that would be the one thing that keeps me from saying Illinois certainly is going to win this game is that they could very well make more mistakes. Curtis says, I think we go in with nothing to lose and Wisconsin has everything to lose, so I like our chances. Well, Maybe there's something to that, Curtis. I mentioned desperation, and different teams respond differently to desperation. Some play like chickens with their heads cut off, and they just go for it. Maybe Wisconsin plays a little bit tight. They are a program that's built on kind of a conservative brand of football. And if they are playing not to lose in any way, shape, or form, we can't lose this game. We can't lose this game. If that's the mindset as opposed to, we got to go out there and we got to kick Illinois' ass, well, then it's a different story if they're kind of tight. So I could see that. Kerpno says, I'm feeling dangerously optimistic. Oh, God. You and me both. And I don't think there's a better way to describe that. Dangerously optimistic. Only dangerous, Kerpnos, because we've been disappointed before. Two and one in the next three games gets you uh, beyond where you would want to be. 
I think when I was making my seven and five prognostication, I had Wisconsin as a surefire loss, and you split the road, you split the home games against Iowa and Minnesota. I think that's how I had it shaking out. One and two, you're still okay. You're at four and three going into the bye week with Nebraska to get to five and three. Then Michigan State and Purdue at home. Both of them winnable games. I'm sorry, Michigan State might suck this year. My wife's a Michigan State grad, so I try not to rub it in, but when I saw not the game live, but just even the box score told the tale of how inept Michigan State was. And the fact they're booing Mel Tucker, the $10 million man in year two, tells you that it was really bad. Purdue is a mess in some ways, and I like playing them in November more than I like playing them in September. I actually think the schedule works out in this way because Iowa, we usually play them late in the year. And Jay Lehman mentioned something like this too. They seem to figure things out. But Purdue always seems to kind of slide a little bit. And I know they went 9-3 and three last year, but there's something amiss. They, they just don't have whatever killer instinct, if you want to say that, to close out games. They should probably be 4-0 right now, but you ultimately are what your record is, and they just seem to be lacking something. Curtis says, I would say the defense has me confident versus having the better offense, which we might have. We might, Curtis. That's the thing that changes the equation here. Illinois might have the better offense. Running back is a wash, which in most years against Wisconsin, you couldn't say. The running blocking has been great for Illinois. Now it's been against lesser competition. But yeah, I think the offense, you could say, is basically scratch, especially when you compare how DeVito and Graham Mertz have played. I don't think that's a crazy statement at all. Kripno says, but hey, being excited for Game 5 is a nice feeling, isn't it? Uh, I, and I think Kripnos, it's not just because they're 3-1. and one, It's the way that they've won those three games. Irish says if the offense simply continues to improve with DeVito and the receivers, then I like Illinois' chances. And I think, Irish, you're talking about the year in general. I'd agree with that. And Chief Oski brings me down to the yellow flag. And I won't go red flag because I think this team can overcome it for the most part. But Chief Oski says, I hope it doesn't come down to our special teams. Oh boy, I hope not either. I really hope not. Camp Randall's a kind of weird stadium, uh, and, and I would imagine weird for kicking. I've been in bowl stadiums before. There is a taller kind of angle that Brett Bielma was even talking about during the press conference this week. It, yeah, it doesn't feel like the big house. The big house is just a big oval, and it's very wide. Camp Randall's very tall. And I, I got to say, being in the student section, which was at one of the end zones, if the wind is just right, you either got the wind right in front of you or you got it crazy behind you. And I don't trust the kicking game. Even in a good year, I wouldn't trust Frank McCourt to go up there or Jason Rita in Camp Randall to go get you the big game-winning kick because it's just that kind of weirdness. And it's Wisconsin. You can't bank on the weather, though. It will be beautiful on Saturday. But this year, in particular, Chief Oski, no, I don't trust the special teams either. And I hope it doesn't come down to that either. I, I hope that you get Wisconsin, and mark this down. What time is it in the, uh, what were we, 22 minutes into this thing? A little bit more than that. Mark this down. If Illinois wins, the play that will put it away is a pick six when you finally get Wisconsin on their heels and they are forced to really get into passing situations. They don't have the game-breaking wide receivers that they've had before. They've always kind of had that to offset, not offset, but complement the running game. And right now, their passing game is adequate, but not great. I think if you get Graham Mertz into a situation where he needs to throw it and you can't really run Braylon Allen because of time and, and circumstance, I think the lead is crucial in this game. I think really 
Playing from behind is where I start to think Illinois is going to make the mistakes. If you can get a lead and have a lead going into the fourth quarter somehow, someway, even if it's a three-point lead, I feel great. But yes, Jufoski, the special teams have concerned me as well. But it's nice, right? It's nice being able to talk about this and think, well, wait a second. You know, we, we could wake up on Sunday morning with a 4-1 and football team. There are ways that you can wake up at 3-2 and two and not feel bad about it. Um, but I got to say that I, I'm worried that if it is a loss, there will be something in it that is either alarming or shake your head. Ah, gosh darn it, we should have known this would happen again. And and that's a bummer. I, I, I don't know how much room this team has for so-called moral victories because they've shown enough talent-wise and execution-wise to suggest that they should actually win some games this year. And it's okay, I think, for Illini fans to say anything less than a bowl game is definitely, at this point, a failure. I think that is totally accurate. Five and seven at this point would be basically a failure, in my mind, for what you have on this team. Six and six will do, but I won't be over the moon about it. Seven and five, probably factoring in a loss that you shouldn't have, right? But maybe a win that you didn't expect. That would still be something that would make you feel good. And anything beyond seven and five would be over the moon, right? I do think expectations change as you see teams play. And I've always kind of had rolling expectations, which some would say is a cop out. Well, hey, Carp, you said this at the beginning of the year. So how can you say this now? Well, again, I didn't figure this schedule would be this easy, And I say the word easy because, God dang, there's a lot of crap in the Big Ten West. And Michigan State might be crap as well. So let's go win some games. I mean, hell, the Nebraska game I thought was going to be some weird loss. If you lose to Nebraska, there's something wrong with you. That team is broken. That's a program that is just absolutely broken right now. Northwestern, at Northwestern, who cares? They're terrible. So if we are being honest with ourselves and we are able to release ourselves from our the fear that we often feel as Illini fans. You already have five wins. Which, say, Carp, that's dangerous to say that. But you already have five wins. You got three and you got Nebraska and Northwestern. Okay, that's five. Can you get two more? I think so. I'd really think so. I think you get more than two. Let's start Saturday. That's where a loss, no matter how it looks, would, would still bum me out. So, oh, I try to stay away, but they... What, what's the Godfather 3 thing? They pull me back in. Whatever the line is, and I know I maybe butchered it, that's basically Illinois sports for me. Basketball tends to be pretty consistent in making me happy and giving me enough moments. Illinois football, there are so few moments that if they win Saturday, it would be up there in my long Illini football fandom. It would be up there. And it's a short list, I assure you. If you take out 01 and 07, it's a pretty darn short list of really memorable Illini football victories. But this would be meaningful, of course, for Brett Bielma. But I think it'd be meaningful for me and other Illini fans that have so craved any sort of symbol or signal that, hey, we may not suck anymore. And if you win on Saturday at Wisconsin, that's essentially what you're being told. We don't suck anymore. Breathe easy. We might be okay. As an Illini football fan, that would go so far um, in in terms of making me just kind of feel more at ease with the whole thing. Because, man, are are we not just tight and tense because we're just waiting for some release? Well, let's get some on Saturday. Or in the next three games, let's get some. If you go two and one, whew. If you go one and two, all right, uh, we can figure it out. Oh and three would be a problem. And that's where you start kind of worrying. But... I'm not going to broach that. 
I don't think it's going to happen for one, and uh, it's just too depressing to think about. 3-0? and Well, got to win Saturday first for that. Okay, I apologize for the sniffles again. This is just absolutely annoying, <laughs> egregious. It's very, very, very frustrating, and I'm sure it's frustrating for all of you too. All right, I uh, want to get into some of the quotes from Brett Bielema going into this week. He was asked, you, uh, and by the way, Alani Inquirer, which, you know, they're partners with us, but also just great coverage of Alani football. I got a couple things from them that I'm going to read. Here's an article that I think Joey Wagner put together with quotes from Brett Bielema. The question was, you've talked a lot about rematch games. Why do you think your program is more prepared to play Wisconsin now? Bielema says, this is going to be a great one, right? This is week five, rematch two. And I bolded rematch two because we saw in Virginia, after the game, they kept talking about this is our first rematch of the year. They really circled that. They got their butts kicked by Virginia. And they came out and they imposed their will. I don't expect that Illinois will impose their will against a program like Wisconsin. That's kind of hard to do. But I do think they'll be ready. I would be surprised if Illinois came out flat and got their butts kicked. It just doesn't seem like that's in the cards, given the way that the Virginia game kind of told us, yeah, they're circling games. They are. Uh, Let's see here. We're playing a Big Ten opponent here, our second Big Ten opponent. Game five of our 12 opportunities that are guaranteed. Second rematch game of seven. So they talked about these seven rematch games. Uh, Let's see. I don't believe we won there since 2002, it was pointed out to me. I did a little bit of reminiscing about that 2002 game. And I was in a high school play. I was the bad guy in this Neil Simon play called The Foreigner. And in this play, uh, it just so happened to fall on the weekend that Illinois played Wisconsin. And then the next weekend, Illinois had their fourth win by winning at Camp Randall. Ohio State came to town. Number one in the nation, I think, right? Craig Krenzel and Maurice Claret took him to double overtime. I was at that game. My dad and I had to hustle over to Urbana High School afterwards and I had to do the final show right after that disappointing loss. And it was actually good I had a distraction because I was really bummed after that game. Because that 2002 Illinois team was playing so well down the stretch. So well. And unfortunately, you just kind of had it. It felt like you had it taken away from you. They won at Northwestern the next week. That would have been win six. But um, crazy to think, though, that the 2002 was the last time you won at Camp Randall. And you won pretty handily. That Illinois team went in there with John Butcher playing some of his best football and just controlled the game. And I think he won despite four turnovers. I want to say that might have been the, uh, who was after Brooks Bollinger? I forget the quarterback for Wisconsin after Brooks Bollinger. Maybe Bollinger was still there in 02. But yeah, you used to win up there. I remember a lot of disappointments. I remember <clears throat> in 2008, the year after the Rose Bowl, just a, a really sleepy loss up at Camp Randall that just seemed sort of par for the course for that team. And then you go down the list. There haven't really been any memorable Wisconsin games at Madison since then. So, uh, you know, off the schneid, whatever term you want to use, come on. 20 years since you've won there. Aren't you due, as Harry Black would say, aren't you due just to get a a random win? And it would seem the recipe is there for this to be the one. Uh, Brett Bielema also talked about kind of the, uh, let's see, The benefits of knowing Camp Randall, I really thought this quote was interesting. He's asked about tough environments to play on the road, and this is how he starts. The good news is kind of like when we went to Penn State in Minnesota last year, we knew we were walking into a hostile environment. 
Penn State has, has I think, 110,000 that we were walking into. Every stadium is a little bit different. Every stadium is a little, uh, well, he says it twice, but we were able to have success at stadiums when we were the visitors. I know they've done that already. Now, Camp Randall is a unique stadium. It's very vertical, so it's loud. They've obviously redone one end zone, so I'm excited to see that. I've been to Madison twice since, but I uh, since I left, but never on the football field in this environment. I've never been in the visitor's locker room as a competitor. There's a lot of things I learned about our visitors who visit us while I was there that I've definitely shared with our team, so we're working through those things this week. He had a quote that gets all the way into, you know, the color of the paint in the locker rooms, and he talks about preparing for an 11 a.m. kickoff, and it seems like he's very communicative with the team about almost every detail. Now, the question would be, is that micromanaging or just giving them too much information? Or is it preparing them for all the things that maybe they are not familiar with experiencing? The last time Illinois played at Wisconsin was 2020. Uh, Enough of these players were on that team, though it was obviously a very weird year, and you were not playing in front of fans. It was a flat performance for Levy Smith in his last season. So you do wonder... If there is an advantage at all for Brett Bielema kind of knowing the stadium and knowing what you got to do going into it, I think there would be. I think if anything, he can calm the team down as the sort of captain that's been through these choppy waters before, granted on the home sideline, but he knows what it's like. Uh, He is the surly captain of a fishing boat that knows, okay, in these waters, this is what you got to do to haul him in. And that might be a very lame analogy. Sorry for that, but... I'm trying to find any way that I can for Illinois to win this game. I do think if there is a mental edge, we can maybe go a little bit with the fact that, yes, he does know the place, and that that is going to help in some way, shape, or form. Okay, that's this weekend. I'm excited for it. I could talk about this game for even longer, but we've already gone about 35, 40 minutes with it. I did want to hit up the other Big Ten games this weekend. It is a big slate. 11 a.m. for Illinois, Wisconsin. We also have... God, this is a great slate. Uh, Michigan and Iowa at 11 a.m. I think this works out great for Illinois. Trevor and Isaac and I have been texting. We still do. And Trevor said, the way this schedule sets up, you're getting a lot of these teams after big games. So you're getting Iowa after, I don't want to say a must win, but this would be a win that would catapult Iowa to a potentially much better season than you would have thought after week two. Michigan is still pretty good. I think Michigan got their scare last week against Maryland and that they come out and they play pretty darn good football. Iowa will probably keep it somewhat close because of that defense, but how are they going to score? How are they going to score? I would love for Iowa to lose a heartbreaker and then have to try to get ready for Illinois next week. Purdue, Minnesota. This is at Minnesota. Minnesota 21st in the nation now. You know, I think Minnesota wins this game. Um, you know, what they did last week against Michigan State was impressive. Even if Michigan State sucks, that was still very impressive. Purdue, I think, is kind of a mess. And this is another break for Illinois. And I apologize for these allergies. Good God. When Minnesota comes to town in two weeks, right? Eh, two and a half weeks. When Minnesota comes to town, it will be after they play Penn State at home the week before. That's a big game for them. And let's say they win or lose in a closely fought matchup. I love the hangover game narrative. It's always been one of my favorites, and it has been since Illinois lost to Michigan in the fumble game in 2000 and then promptly got their butts kicked at Minnesota. Maybe Lou Henson even said, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And I know a lot of coaches say that. I think that's another example of it. Minnesota-Purdue this week, Minnesota hosting Penn State next week. Rutgers at Ohio State, whatever. Northwestern to Penn State, whatever. 
Michigan State at Maryland. A get-right game for Michigan State. Why are all the good games at 11? This sucks. All the good games are 11. I thought this was a great week. But no, after the Illinois-Wisconsin game, I'm going to watch this crap? Uh, Michigan State at Maryland. Indiana-Nebraska. Wow. Thank you, BTN. That's going to be the 6.30 game. So your 2.30s are Rutgers-Ohio State, Northwestern Penn State, and Michigan State-Maryland. Ugh, barf. Night game. Why does Nebraska get night games? Well, we get one next week at 6.30 on BTN as well. So I'll take it. I won't complain too much. All right, before we get out of here, I want to talk some basketball, and then I'm going to go try to take care of these allergies again. It's just that time of year. There's nothing I can do. I will say, if you pop a Benadryl at night, man, oh man, do you sleep well. All right, I want to read this article from Jeremy Warner. Five takeaways from Underwood's practice starting presser. This is a really good summation of the opening day of practice and everything that Brad Underwood is saying and thinking about this group, which you all know I'm high on. I'm sure you're high on it too. In fact, it was a couple episodes ago where I talked about, I went through the schedule, I think, and I forgot to even mention Matthew Mayer is on the team. I forgot with all these amazing additions from you know, high school recruiting and then transfer portal. I forgot that Matthew Mayer is on the team. I mean, you're loaded. So this article from Jeremy Warner. Main takeaway, quote, the fun part for Underwood. Brad Underwood has a mostly blank slate. And the Illinois basketball head coach is clearly excited about the possibilities and challenges ahead as fall practice officially started on Monday. Gone are five starters. Two-time All-American center Kofi Coburn, five-year starting guard Trent Frazier, all Big Ten sharpshooter Alfonso Plummer, five-year glue guy Demonte Williams, and two-year starter Jacob Grandison. But there's been an influx of talent and versatility. I think this is actually important to read so you can remember everybody that's in here. Texas Tech transfer guard Terrence Shannon. Baylor transfer wing Matthew Mayer. Baylor transfer big man Dane Danger. Top 40 guard Sky Clark. Top 60 wing Ty Rogers. Top 75 guard Jaden Epps and four-star guard Sincere Harris. Along with promising returners Coleman Hawkins, RJ Melendez, and Luke Goody. Oh, you're loaded. <laughs> I read that and I just, I have not been this excited since the self-era. This team is full of unknowns. How will they deal without Coburn's rebounding and physical dominance? Frazier's on-ball defense and loads of lost experience. How quickly will this team gel before one of the country's toughest non-conference slates, which includes games against UCLA, Virginia, and or Baylor, Texas, Syracuse, and Missouri? But this team has exciting potential, thanks to improved length, athleticism, and versatility. Shannon and Mayer bring second and third weekend NCAA tournament experience, something the Illini have lacked for 17 years. And this is the Illini's most talented prep recruiting class in more than a decade. This team's a work in progress, but Underwood is clearly enjoying the project and its possibilities. He said on Monday, quote, it's going to be fun, but really challenging to figure out all the pieces of this puzzle. What I mean by that is if you have some wing players who are very, very gifted in finding out their strengths, finding out what we can do with those strengths is going to be fun. We've got a lot of options. It's the strength of this team, yet we've got to continue to grow and build on the uh, on the offensive side. Defensively, I think the team could be one of the best defensive teams we've had. The Illini coaching staff is tinkering with lineups heading in the season, tipping off November 7th against Eastern Illinois. Underwood is having fun toying with different and new possibilities, including Shannon playing point guard in a big lineup or Clark and Epps on the floor. The key will be finding the right combination in time to minimize growing pains in November and December. All right, here are five more takeaways from Jeremy's article. One, Sky Clark and Matthew Mayer are healthy. According to Underwood, uh, they just really need to work on conditioning. So they're healthy, though, and that's the good news. Number two, 
This is about Zachary Perrin, who was part of this recruiting team or recruiting roster. He is going to enroll at a prep academy, so he won't be here this year. Not that he would have played anyways, but Illinois basically has to kind of keep recruiting him. Number three, Underwood is pleased with the tough early schedule. You have three top 20 teams in the Bart Torvik rankings. That's kind of like a Ken Palm thing. UCLA, number nine. Virginia, number 17. Baylor, number two. Of course. I mean, what a program. Texas, number seven within the first month of the season. And then four other games against high major opponents. Syracuse looks to be down at 74. Maryland, number 51. Penn State, 82. Missouri, 49. How is Missouri 49? Before Christmas. Underwood will know a lot about his team before the grind of the final 18 Big Ten games. Underwood says, we're excited about the challenges that lie ahead in the early part of the season that will test us. And that's what we schedule these games for, is that we get tested so that we know come January, February, we're continuing to get better. All right, the fourth takeaway from Jeremy. Illinois is embracing growing pains for its young lead guards. They have bigger, higher ceiling guards, but the Illini's three most likely point guard options, Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, and Ty Rogers, are all untested against college competition. Underwood said they're all physically ready to play college basketball, but simply must learn through mistakes to grow from the mental side. Mm, God, I love that. So all that to say, you ready? I'm ready. We are what? Five weeks away from the first game, uh, first exhibition game at least. And this team is loaded, and I expect very good things from them. And yeah, they will lose a couple games in the non-conference against good teams, and that's okay. But when all is said and done, I think they're the best team in the Big Ten yet again. And this program is rolling, and that's how it should be. So can Illinois football, I don't want to say match Illinois basketball, but you know the expectations are different. A seven or eight win Illinois football season feels to us about as good as a... Uh, Illinois basketball season where they win the Big Ten. I mean, it's so rare that we would take it, right? So can we get both of those in the same year? Is it too greedy to ask? I don't think so. And I think that on Saturday, we might have an opportunity. I will go on record. What the heck? Ahead of Saturday, and we will be here for the fourth quarter and postgame. And if they win, as long as you guys want to do a postgame, Illinois 24, Wisconsin 20. I will go with that. And yes, Caleb Griffin will get some field goal and and that will maybe help you ice the game. Maybe it's a 21 to 20 lead. He gets the field goal. Then you got to force them to go the length of the field for a touchdown. And unlike Indiana, maybe you get that turnover and keep Graham Mertz from beating you like, uh, what's the quarterback's name for Indiana? Who cares? That's old news. We moved on from that. All right. I want to thank you all for joining me on YouTube Live tonight. I want to thank you for uh, listening at home, wherever you may get the podcast. If you can rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be a big help. also want to thank the sponsors uh, of the 200 level, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. Oh, these allergies. Um, it drives me nuts. For all, all your home exterior projects, get a free quote today at rectorconstruction.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating and Air and Plumbing. They're coming over tomorrow for our furnace check. Schedule yours today and get 6% off by just mentioning the 200 level. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. For Champagne Showers Podcast Network and Alana Inquirer, thank you all for listening and bearing with me as I continue to bring this snot back into my nose. It's disgusting, and I hope it goes away. And I also hope to see you on Saturday when Illinois beats Wisconsin. We shall see. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.